0: Good morning, hello, this is Talking Devils, the leading
3: independent Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined, as you can see, by Manchester United legend Paul Parker and living legend Dave Murphy to talk over a difficult weekend for the club, a difficult week for the club, really. Uh, we're streaming on three platforms. We are live on YouTube, YouTube and Facebook. If you're watching live on those platforms, Uh, Get your comments and questions, in. if you're watching live on the replay, as well, say hello to the comment, uh, we do reply to the the comments that we get. If you're listening back to the audio podcast, be sure to like and subscribe on the platform you're listening on. And if you're watching us live on Twitter, um, which is streaming on my profile page, then if you put some comments in underneath the tweet, um, I'll try and get to them if I can. I'm still figuring out how to do that as it's, you know, streaming live through Twitter, but we'll see how we uh, get on with that. Um, I'll start off with asking, Paul, how was your weekend? How were you, mate?
1: Um, weekend was, well, I think everyone knows, it. I mean, the majority knows that I would have got ruined a little bit by what happened in the late afternoon Saturday. And I was at um, the London Derby of West Ham v Chelsea yesterday afternoon, which was... A lot, a lot nicer to watch than what it was watching United on Saturday evening.
3: I don't know what you're talking about because, as far <laughs> as I'm concerned, I would watch reruns of our classic games at Spurs, so I can't imagine anything went horribly wrong. Um, Lads at Spurs or Lads it's United, as Roy Keane might have rephrased us afterwards. afterwards. Um, Dave, how are you getting on? You all right?
2: Yeah, not too bad. Ab blanked out Saturday, so my weekend consisted just of Sunday and um, so yeah, some family time and it didn't rain here in Ireland so we've had our summer so that's what I, yeah. I spent my weekend having my summer So
3: Good, uh, well we'll get to um, unfortunately the, the game that neither of you wants to talk about, neither do I really i what I did on Sunday actually um, <laughs> because I am this is not going to surprise anyone Watching this, and neither of you two. Dave, you already know, but on Sunday morning, I decided I was so wallowing in, in my self pity about United losing that I decided to indulge in United history like I usually do and took a, a tour around northeast Manchester to the old um, stomping grounds of when we were new and east. So, and it just after turning uh, the corner and becoming United as well. So, the, this um, areas of land that were formerly North road and bank street, the old stadiums there were where they've got the plaques up in, but there's one for bank street. There's a plaque on a house, but the North road one is on an industrial estate next to a police station and in it's Fujifilm. And some guy actually put the plaque there himself. It's not an official plaque, but um, it's there, it's publicly accessible. So I went to see them and also, um. It's either Cailon Street or Ceylon Street. I don't know. It begins with C. and um, We went there, and the area of land it really weird. Really, if you're in Manchester, go and see it anyway. So it's an area of land adjacent to the railway, um, the old offices and, and sort of workshops that were there where Newman and workers sort of first congregated to play football matches on this patch of... It's basically just a playing field. Um, which they put some goalposts on, I guess, and played their first disorganised games before they moved to Broad in 1880. And um, Bellway built a little housing estate on there now, and they are very suspicious individuals living in those houses. <laughs> if you go around with a the camera, they didn't like my presence. Um, but there's also, like, a patch of wasteland, and I, it's probably been built on, and then it's become wasteland again. But it's nice to think that there's a, a little area of that where the very first Newton Heath players played, they still exists. it's still there, you can walk on it if you wanted to take a ball and kick it around and pretend you were one of the forefathers 150 years on, you can do that that's how I um, spent my Sunday morning um, <laughs> and now we rewind fast forward to present day where we're talking about Manchester United in crisis or not as johnny says in the comments says morning wayne paul and dave i don't think united are in crisis only two games in. we started the same last season yeah i I, probably sensationalized headline for the podcast i appreciate that and apologize for it as well i'm talking about overall the club state that it's in at the moment is it a state of emergency and i think i don't think it's a stretch to say that it is there's so many things going on um get to the other stuff in a moment, but we will start off with what happened at Spurs. Um, it has been a quite underwhelming start to the season. It wasn't the greatest performance against Wolves either. These things happen, though, and I, I'm i speaking just for myself here. Um, when so you win 1-0, it's unconvincing, but I justify it with the fact that we won the game and you hope that what didn't work in that game corrects itself the weekend. Um, maybe I think I've just become so indoctrinated in doing that under Moyes and Van Gaal and Marino in particular ways to say as long as we win it doesn't matter how we play and it really does it's really started to matter how we play um, and Paul I know you've been a big advocate for that um, we did get away with it against Wolves I thought it can't be worse than that unfortunately it was Spurs weren't brilliant but they were better than us we were okay in the first half but we looked concerningly disjointed um, you know we've invested heavily in that midfield and the defence at the base level yeah alright sometimes you're going to get flat performances but I think suppose they have got a right to demand or expect more than the sort of nothing reactions that we've seen too many times and you know in the past year it's been Maguire or De Gea or McTominay and Fred or Martial and you say okay well those players are there it's a work in progress and you can understand why the performance has lurched from high to low None of those players are in the side anymore. And now you I'm not pointing the finger, but you're looking at the players of like the likes who, of the players who were there before, like Fernandez, Rashford, like Shaw, and you're saying these are big seasons for these players who have to step up. Um they really have a necessity to to prove themselves immediately. They have to prove that they're United elite quality, and they were being held back by the other players, and they were all disappointing Saturday. All, the, the, it was an all-round team performance that was poor. I thought we were were okay in the first half, um, but you do want to see some kind of reaction to going behind, and we didn't see that in the second half. It was really so, really poor. Um, it was a team who seemed to accept defeat from the minute they went behind, instead of looking how much of the game was in front of them and, you know, pick themselves up and went 2-0 down, two very bad balls to concede. Um, Paul, there were some po- post-match complaints about the first off penalty show. For me, I think it's obvious it should have been a penalty, but and it did feel like we were getting one back for what happened on Monday with Anana. But when you look at the game as a whole, and yeah, all right, we had more shots in the first off and we looked fairly in control, but again, game's 90 minutes, and the performance in the second off, we didn't deserve anything from that, did we?
1: No, the um even the first half performance wasn't great. It's just the Spurs are definitely, in my opinion, they're gonna they're gonna get better under their present coach, without a doubt. I think there'll be more unity with the team and the fact of their midfield was more fluid than what United's were says a lot really. And the fact that he resurrected it by leaving out Oliver Skip and now he's got in a rejuvenated um Sumer. At one point, everyone thought it was it must be a Brighton thing. You leave Brighton and you lose everything. Basuma's just blossomed. So has um, Pape Sarr as well, another one who struggled under that Conte era. But um, United are okay. Fernandes should have hit the target. It's an, e- an easier thing to, um, to say, but he should have done. A player of his quality should have hit the target. Should have, should have scored with his head. You mentioned about the penalty way, and I, I see it differently to be perfectly honest as a defender. If some, if I'm going to rush out and just in my head, I've got to go and block. I've sensed danger. I've got to go and block. I'm going to go and block. I'm not going to get in my head in that kind of split second that when as I'm going to block to tell myself, oh, my God, got to put my hands behind my back and then go out. Because as I run out like that with, with my arms behind my back, the ball might get shifted again. I've got nothing to change my direction with. I can dip my shoulder, but there's every chance I'm going to fall over and maybe dislocate my shoulder. So when I run out naturally, I'm going to run out, and as soon as I see the block, whatever I put in first, my arm's going to go. My arm is going towards that way as well. So my arm's going to be out, and we're talking about the one now. If it hit that one up there, you could. You can have an argument about that. But when someone is there, I'm kind of going, Well, that's part of the movement. You can't do it like that. It's, you, you yeah. go into block. So somehow then something needs to be worked out about this. All of a sudden, oh, you're making your body wide. No, you're making your body, you're getting your body in the position to keep your balance, otherwise, you will fall over. So if I if I get the ball, if we did a if I did the ball and I said to someone, Throw the ball to me and I'm gonna have someone right in front of me. And as that ball's been thrown, they step towards me and then they've got to put their arms behind their back. I would I would go past them nine times out of ten because they've got no balance. They'll end up having to foul me or something because they can't recorrect themselves. So as far as I'm concerned, it's not a penalty. You can't if you give that, you've got to give you got to turn around and say, any time the ball hits your hand in the box, it's a penalty. That's the, that's the only way it can be, Wayne, <clears throat> if it's if we're going to do it that way. And that's me saying it as an old-school defender and absolutely hating this modern-day defending. Hating it because it's non-existent. <clears throat> that, that would lead me towards the goal. But but if we're talking about the first half, it was okay. The second half was just like the second half last, last season, wasn't it? Come yeah. out second half and was absolutely just like... <clears throat> It was just like a a damp squib, really, to be perfectly honest, the way they played. There was nothing now, no energy, no, 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 I'm not going to say no belief to win. I think that's the wrong. There was no ambition. Everyone seemed bothered. It was like, oh, let's get this season over as quick as possible kind of attitude, Wayne. And I, I just didn't see anything. And the worst thing for me was that I had to, I wish I was sitting at home watching it, where I could have just said really what I felt about it. But when... You're on the radio to the whole of, you know, to out to America and out to Africa. You have to hold yourself back a little bit. But I was totally frustrated in what I was seeing, which was the lack of effort. And you mentioned a few players there. You know, but I look at Luke Shaw, who has gone, who has gone like that and gone like that, then gone bang and gone, let himself down again and finish the season well. And then all of a sudden, oh. I watched that second-half performance, and I don't know. Someone's got to tell me about him. What, what, is, what is it about? Because that first goal, was he talking to Ganacho? I don't think he was, because Ganacho just went chasing into the wrong area. And then you look on the other side, why was he so narrow? And why did he not make one effort to go out towards the ball? And then to ask the player, what are you going to do next? The player's running a straight line. Luke Shaw's running in a straight line toward, you know, parallel with the near post, running towards the near post, not to cut the angle off, but just run, two players running in a straight line, and then the ball comes in, and then Luke Shaw's just looked at it and kind of gone like, and then turned and walked away. No frustration, nothing at all. No one has had a go at Luke Shaw for the fact of being lazy, being in the wrong position not talking to Garnaccio, Garnaccio goes and stands in the hole, the player doesn't run, but because Garnaccio's just stepped forward, you know, he's a young player, you can't dig him out for that, it's just absolutely just pure laziness on Luke Shaw, Shaw's part, and it's, and it's the usual suspects really in certain ways, I mean, I'm going to say a player, and I don't care where he plays, but the one thing you do, is when you play football, which is not in written in it's not written in stone, it's not in a contract, but it should be within you, within yourself, is to work hard for your teammates. Marcus Rashford works hard for him, for when he's ready to, for when he's to do his little bit, which is to get the ball and dribble, 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 give away possession, go down on the floor holding something, or just to stand there. Look up, look up, and then just walk back. Poor, really, really poor. People can talk about goals, but I've played with players that, have, you know, they've not had that kind of, maybe that kind of ability, what he's got, which he doesn't really use. and But they, the one thing they do is work hard for their teammates. And if they don't, a teammate will tell them, I don't see anybody asking him to chase back. So you've lost a player when you haven't got a ball. Um, and then you're asking Mason Mount to chase around and close people down on his own. Even Fernandes has stopped doing it in that mm-hmm. way as well. So the long and short of it, I am seeing again what I've seen over the last few seasons. And to cap it all, again, Manchester United, they give out a contract again to Marcus Rashford based on one season. It yeah. should have been, everything should have been talked about. Well, no, we can give you that, but so-and-so. And if you go on this season, go and do it again. Because when you're with a top club and you're meant to be a top player, consistency comes with both of them. And you're not seeing that in Marcus, Marcus Rashford. You're not seeing it in Manchester United. And you're definitely not seeing it in Marcus Rashford. It's consistency. If he scored a goal on um Saturday, everyone would have said, great, he's done this and done that. But those bits in between are massive. He's just papering over cracks with goals. No goals, people say something. But mm-hmm. if there's a goal, everyone's on the top of it. On top of it. And so I, I still wonder when Hoyland is fit and he does play, and I'm, quite, I'm looking forward to it, I think everyone is, can Marcus Rashford produce more on the left side? And when I say, say more, I mean a work ethic. Because I wouldn't yeah. want to see they keep showing these heat maps. I would love to see one of Marcus Rashford to be perfectly honest. Because I'll get more heat from a Swan Vesta at this moment in time.
3: Um, okay, so a couple of comments from Johnny. He says respectfully, Paul, that's the law of the game at the moment. As such, was a penalty. I agree with you. The rules at the moment are awful. The handball ball rule needs seriously looking at. He agrees with Paul about Rashford. It beggars belief that players aren't breaking the mix to get back and help defend. It's the basic, it's what you do as a kid playing, it on the local park. Chasing back should be the minimum for a professional footballer. Dave, I a lot to unpack from uh, what Paul was saying. I mean, I, I agree with what he's saying with the, the body being in a natural position. And when I'm saying that, I think it should be a penalty. I, I don't mean like it meant to deliberately, but I just think that the ball. Sometimes defenders don't mean to do it, but the handball stopped the ball from perhaps, it probably wasn't going in, but it stopped on his journey towards the goal. And in that situation, unfortunately, um, for, for him, fortunately for United, although it wasn't because we didn't get it, um, we should have got it. But the, the wider point is, is really not really to do with a penalty because I don't think any of us are going to sit here and say, all right, it could have altered the pattern of the game. But really, overall, from what we saw, United didn't deserve the result. And the problems that United have got, uh, they extend far beyond the, the, the penalties, not the reason why they didn't get the game. It, uh, the, you know, the win is because you look at the poor individual performances and the poor collective performance. And I think for me, yeah, all right, we're we saying Sean Rashford, but what, talking about these two players in particular, because they've had such highs and such lows, and they've started the season in, in fairly low form and it's concerning to see that um i think for me regarding the individuals and then regarding the team is that we've seen a few of these performances when you know like at the back end at the start of last season we all remember this time last year after two games it was that was the crisis we've got battered by Brentford and ten brings them all in they all go on a run and then the, the spirit is changed and then for the next sort of half a dozen games they realize that it's the level of intensity needs to be there for every single game for United. And you thought that the message had got on, but then when you see that, should be the bare principle the, the, the first thing that you see from a United team. And we didn't see that again on Saturday. Um, is, it, is it too soon to say that Tenog should have out his finger on the pulse of this? <laughs> what, do you, um, what do you make of what you saw on Saturday? Well, initially, you know, I want to just
2: go back to the penalty. For me, it was it was def- for me it was a definite penalty if you go by the letter of the law today. But that said, you know, Paul makes a very very valid point that um, earlier on, or later on in the game, there was a, there was a shot um, by Spurs, and and in the slow motion, you could see Martinez hands behind the back. You know, that's what they're taught to do now. But the one thing I never thought of. Um, was uh, the point that paul just made that when you're coming out at that angle you can't put your hands behind your back in that situation because you're going to fall on the ground and look like a fool you know so he's he's right there but if we go with the letter of the law he did make himself bigger and it was a handball i think the problem is the rule the the rule is is it doesn't i know i know every rule can't fit every scenario but this one is a bit this one is one that i think that needs to be relooked at and uh, making yourself bigger as a player and then it becomes a penalty that is the letter of the law today so for me it was a penalty but it kind of doesn't make sense in situations like that because if if it was united and the penalty was given and then went on the show today and paul so i think it's a stupid penalty because you know when you're coming out at that angle you're trying to close down you're not standing up straight you can't put your hands behind your back I'll be sitting here a few of them going, "Oh my God, it wasn't a penalty then." That you know that law needs to be changed. Um, I do believe the law needs to be changed. I really do. Um, it's it, there's a few of them that need to be changed, but that one in particular, uh, it, it's just so inconsistent. That's the problem. It's so inconsistent. Trust me, that that will be given throughout the season in other games that penalty, and United yeah. may get one as well based off that. And that's the problem that I have is that there's just these rules, it, it should be black and white. It's either a penalty or it's not. It's either a free kick or it's not. It should be made very, very easy for the referees to make that decision. Um, but it's not. Um, but on to United, um, oh, it was abysmal. I think the first 20-25 minutes we did okay. Um, uh, I do believe that Spurs were starting to get into it at that point. Uh, second half, we were non-existent. Um, um, you know, I was, I was more than happy when we signed Mason Mount. Uh, but he looks like it looks like so far he's our van der Beek. It looks like he's a very, very good player that became available, and maybe you know we jumped in too soon and bought him, and, and he doesn't fit into the jigsaw because when him and Fernandez play, and we've only seen them in two real games, it's 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 very disjointed. It, I, neither of them know what they're supposed to be doing. Um, Marcus Rashford for me is is not a centre forward. I think we get the best out of him on the left. I don't even think he you know i read an article uh, uh, a couple of weeks back here marcus rashford where he was saying that he he he, he's not always a big fan of playing center forward because he wants to be more involved in the game um i mean if, if out on the wing he seems to be more involved in the game but center forward he for me i just don't think he's a center forward right now i think he should be out on the left but we have the situation with garnaccio you know do if he goes on the left he's going to drop him so does that does that you know stop his uh progress it's 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 a bizarre situation for ten Hag to be in but honestly I, I i don't think i don't think marcus rashford um is playing his best football when he's playing through the middle and um, there is definitely something uh lacking there when he plays there and um, and i think the sooner we get hoyland fit um the sooner we can push him back out onto the left. Yes, Garnaccio is probably gonna be the, the odd man out. But I think our biggest problem is in midfield. I, I think Mason Mount just he's he just runs around and I don't think he knows what he's doing. What or what he has to do. I don't think the instructions are clear to him. He just seems to be running around all the time. Now, you know, we have some other players which we wish would run more, but he doesn't seem to be running with any, you know, any guidance or anything and and although we are three points better off than we were at the start of the last season. Um, it is, I'm not overly concerned right now. It's very early in the season. And and the reason I'm not overly concerned is that, and, you know, out of all three of us, Paul can definitely, uh, can definitely uh, understand this. You know, when teams play Manchester United, they play it at a different level. I mean, Wolves came to Old Trafford last week and they look like prime, you know, Brazil. And then yesterday, the weekend, they got absolutely tonked Tottenham. I watched the Tottenham game last week um, against Brentford. They weren't that that great. They really weren't. But yesterday in the second half, it it, it was a completely different team. So that has to be also built into the fact that teams do raise their games. But as a Manchester United player, you should know that by now. You should know that a lot of clubs, and this is no disrespect to them, but a lot of clubs taking three points off Manchester United (coughs) is in a lot of ways, their semi-final, their FA Cup final, whatever you want to call it, it's their big game that season. And a lot of teams tend to build their, their season based off beating Manchester United. And some teams use it as a springboard to improve um, and, and give themselves that extra confidence. But the Wolves factor, you know, proved to me that Manchester United is still the big show around. You know, they're still the big ticket. And teams are going to raise themselves against them. But a lot of these players need to start realizing that again. That when teams come to Old Trafford or when you go to their stadium, they're going to they're going to put in an extra 10, 20, you know, 50 percent. And I use Wolves as a prime example. You know, Wolves came and they, they should have beaten us last week, like by a couple of goals easily. And then they got absolutely tanked at home. And um, so uh, I just think that we, we really need to sort out our midfield. We need to find out who our best midfield is. And once we do that, I think we'll start to click on. Um, but I think Marcus Rashford was really, really poor in his first two games and I think he he definitely needs to be moved out left.
3: Um, Johnny says, I saw some clips on Twitter yesterday it shows how midfielders used to be expected to be good <laughs> going forward in defending Robbo, Ince, etc. So Bruno and Mount should be able to do that too, right? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing that people have become specialists <coughs> and not um, all-rounders, whereas midfielders used to be that. They would be the all-rounders a would be the better players because they basically dictating the flow of the game. And that's still the purpose. That's the primary position. And you see the best midfielders generally can do all of those things, like Declan Rice is a great example of someone who can do mostly. All right, maybe he's not a great creator, but he's he's great in all of the areas of the game. And, um, you know, United do have those kind of problems at the moment. You're probably right with Mount. I feel a bit sorry for him. He's obviously looked very frustrated when he's come off in, in the games. I think he came off. In, in both games, hasn't he, uh, when United were yeah. struggling to sort of get to terms with it. And, he, and he's looked frustrated with that. And it's, it is a bit of a confusing because he was Tannock's primary target. So you would have thought that because he was the target and the way that the midfield should be set up, he should be perfectly oiled. And and it's not. It looks very disjointed. Um, and that leads me into the the sort of topic of at the top of the on the title on the podcast is correct. Oh, United in crisis. Look, I mean, I don't want to put that impression across. that United, in terms of performance, it's a crisis because these are Creeks, You know, the goal to deal with, and you know, obviously, that's a process. I, I would have expected some of them to be dealt with a bit quicker with a level of investment, like the midfielder. I, I don't expect to see it looking as unfamiliar as it did uh, over the it in the first two games, especially because Mount was brought in fairly early on as well. But the, when I'm talking about crisis, I'm talking about the entire mood around the club at the moment, um, which is accentuated by the, the poor performance. <laughs> you know, I think that there are so many big things that are going on with the club at the moment that it is it's a, a kind of a dark period. Like you've got take over, which is now stalled with no resolution and more um, pertinently, no communication as to that um, lack of resolution. Like We can take no resolution, um, but I think that the lack of communication is is very concerning that we should have some kind of clarity of what's going on. The, the Mason Greenwood case, I'm deliberately not talking about this on the podcast. Um, It is looming large over the club. There can be no denying that. It's a massive story that was rumbling all last week. The reason I'm not putting anyone here in the position to talk about it is because there's no resolution to that. And I don't think it does anybody in favours to speculate over that. So I know people will listen to this and expect us to give an opinion. I don't feel comfortable putting other people in that position. Um, I will say that both of those issues, the takeover and the Greenwood thing, um, they do need resolving. They need resolving swiftly, uh, sooner rather than later, in terms of how it's going to help the club move forward. Um, you know, a takeover isn't going to happen before the end of the transfer window, which means the club will be looking at reinvesting the income that they get from ongoing transfers. And I think the thing that's probably fair to talk about is that sort of, the transfer activity that's going to be needed in this next two weeks because, yeah, all right, we're talking about Brentford last year and how we reached a crisis point after two games. You know, We haven't had that in terms of performance. I don't think it's been that bad, but it is nonetheless concerning. And you look over the the year, Tenor had two major things to deal with. He had that start where he had to sort of really address the squad and tell them about the standards. Then there was the Ronaldo incident, and both of those things he's dealt with, really successfully or he's been allowed to manage really successfully and now we're at another moment in time and obviously there are a couple of things that he's not in control of like the takeover and, and he obviously has some put in the Greenwood thing but the, these things need to be resolved in a way that as the manager backed and as I'm looking strong and in this short term period of time I still feel like maybe in terms of squad building, one or two players short and it's difficult to see how we navigate that period um, without the turnover in the transfer market. So you're looking at the likes of Maguire and McTony, who've been linked with a move to West Ham, completing that transfer and maybe bringing in 50 million. Martial linked with a move to Saudi, the Saudi league, and hopefully that will bring in some, some money as well. So that might free up, like, I don't know, 60 million pounds or something. But then you're worried about the long term nature of the, the targets. I mean Amrabat's been the one who's been mentioned all summer and he's available for I think they said about thirty million a pound. Um maybe this is someone completely different when we started the season last season. Everyone was talking about De Jong, Casemiro wasn't even mentioned. Do you think, Paul? I mean and i the way that I've just you know, we've talked about this and we've talked about Ten Hog Having got the players that he wanted for midfield in terms of he wanted Casemiro, he got him. I know he wanted De Jong, but he wanted Mount and he's obviously got him to, to fit that role. So is it is it concerning that we are at this stage in the window saying
2: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
0: Picture the scene, all of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. We are going to need to want to do panic signing. Not
3: panic signings in terms of the panic, but wanting that they were the last priorities they weren't players that we were desperate to bring in, and now we are desperate for them in order for the form to have some kind of kickstart to it. Is, is that a concern to you, or do you think that it's a bit of a, I'm getting a little bit overreacting because of the form?
1: I don't think you're overreacting. I mean, yes, it's only two games, but I still think there has to be a reaction to it. You can't just, you know, being united, you always have to hit the ground running. People expect that if you don't hit the ground running, then straight away you're getting what you are now. It's as simple as that. So, and people always talk about what last season and the change that right happened there. Well, that's not going to happen again that way. You know that that moment has gone. And at the moment, United have been a kind of a, a moments kind of team in certain ways. So, when it comes to it now, look at Mason Mount and Mason Mount's kind of name was all about the fact of. He come through the rank at, ranks at Chelsea. That's what it was about, and the, everything around him at Chelsea was all about that. You, you meant you talked to him, but that um, makes him out of a lot of Chelsea fans. They wouldn't say much different to what I've just said. But his strength is the fact of he's willing to run. He's willing to work hard. So I think rather than trying to keep him a little bit back, a little bit deep, where you know, which isn't his role. If you, if you watch him when he played at Chelsea. He was always running into the box, always going into the box. He was playing off of somebody. So maybe, again, I mentioned it, is that when, if Hoyland, when he's fit, then that might be that one, that kind of second man run off of, off of the centre forward to take maybe a play, player away from the from Hoyland and vice versa to get someone who's always who's looking more consistently to run through rather than seeing when before we saw a lot of Fernandes um, Fernandez doing that. Mason Mount has got a little bit more extra pace than Fernandez. He's got more energy than Fernandez in that way because of more his, his his desire to keep running. Because as we know, running is not about really how you know it's about how far you want to run rather than, you know, how you know how much how much um how far you can run. Because if you, we all can run but the problem is how far do we want to run and how are we going to push ourselves harder? Mason Mount will always push through. So the problem at the moment where last season there was a side that the midfield was better than what it has been for a long, long while. Last season it was it was great. And then you see the injury to Ericsson, And you see that little spell where Casemiro was getting a little bit me. Um what's I going to say? What's the word? Um I was going to say when he was getting the piss taken out of him by referees. Really, in theory, how it worked out with Casemiro. So those two, you, you you lost Ericsson for quite a while. Then over a long period, a longer period of time, and Casemiro was in. And then when he come back, he was fighting to get back in again. So lost a bit of cohesion there. The team lost cohesion as well because of then Varane got out injured. And then. By the time he come back and they got together again, Martinez. Do we say this It's Martinez, isn't it?
3: Yeah, Martinez.
1: Right. Thank you for that. Yeah, that's that's another story from weekend. Um, so he then he gets injured at the back end of the season, and then you see how much he's missed. So the strength of United last season was the two centre halves, Casemiro and Ericsson. They they were the main. Those two together with Fernandes, you had. You had, the, you had Casemiro, the way he held and the way he settled everyone down. You had his movement into the box to score important headers or, his, or going in now to take people away because everyone come wary of him. You had Fernandes who found a bit of space. And, and then you had a player, Eriksen, who could find people, control the game in midfield. United could had a little bit of ball retention in midfield, which they never had for a long, long, long period of time after Sir Alex retired. Now it started this season, it's been disjointed on the fact of Mount has come in. Ericsson, he's tried to bring Ericsson on. Ericsson can't get into games that way. He can't do it. He needs to get on and start games so he can get his get his breath, get his second breath earlier. And then he maybe be able to get the ball and get some kind of something going in midfield because the midfield hasn't linked at all in two games. Yeah. You know, people talk about, oh, well, it's, pre-season and, st- you know, it's too early. Well, pre-season is meant to iron out all that stuff. It doesn't seem it's ironed out anything. It seems like me it was a PR exercise just to go and play games, throw different bodies out there and go and play Premier League games in different parts of the world, which doesn't make sense, in my opinion. Why go and do that? Stay close at home, get more games in, maybe get more just different kind of games in rather than just going to play you end up playing practice games, making need, making a load of substitutions because you don't want to show your cards too early. And that's all it was pre-season for the majority of the Premier League sides, really. That's all they've done. United have suffered, in my opinion, yeah. because they've lost a great strength from that midfield. And now Ten Hag has got to think about how is he going to improve it because he's virtually starting again, the back four. Now he's got to try and get the back four playing together. You had Varane at the start of the season moaning about games, which, are, which is ridiculous because, you, sh- you know, it's like going out onto a football pitch with a great big bandage around your knee and virtually saying, look at me. I'm injured, but I'm playing. Yeah, everyone goes, bang, there's your knee gone. Come out in your head, you're going, that, that lad's mentally weak already. Yeah. And then you've got Luke Shaw, who, don't know, he might need Malassia to get fit to get him going again yeah. at this moment in time. You've got Wan-Bissaka, trying to find his feet again to get back to the way he finished the season. So that, you know, that bit in the back four. And then you've got the problems of reigniting the midfield again, which might just need purchase of another midfield player. And then you mentioned one earlier, which has got energy levels. And we've, I've seen that in a World Cup live when I was out there. And I've seen that when I watched him play for, and I watched him play for Florentina against West Ham. And his one, one time I've seen him play and I'm seeing exactly the same I saw play for his national team. And the front three for Manchester United from last season is still a waste of time. No consistency at all. No consistency. I was given that I wanted to give the benefit of doubt to Anthony. I thought I was going to see something. I thought I was seeing little bits of it against Wolves. I saw some good bits, but then everything's come out in the wash at you know, at Tottenham Stadium, you know, forward slash white heart line.
3: Yeah, um, it wasn't great. And that makes a really good point here um, about the front line. I think it does seem to be a bit of an issue at the moment. Ball retention, he says. Um, not sure if anyone's commented on it, but the first two games, the front four have lost the ball 150 times. Uh, that to me appears to be a big on field issue. They play well, United win, they turn over the ball that often, and we have what we've seen in those two games. Um, David, it's a good point. And moving into uh, talking about Forest. Um, against Forest, it's kind of like a, I don't want to be too disrespectful because they've started the season well. You know, Alanga did well for Forest Arsenal. I think it helped up the goal for them and they won the first game, the first home game against Sheffield United. So it doesn't seem quite as manic as it did um, last summer. So they might benefit from a bit of stability in the end of the season quite well a couple of important wins. They'll steal Trafford as a free eight, but we've seen that liberate teams and, and United can see 10 In in normal times you might think that you would have a question over let's say starting Hoyland. He might want to do that anyway to sort of get in some minutes and he might you know might be a bit rusty but Forest might seem like a good game to bring him in. But then he might be tempted to just stick with Ratchford, Anthony and Garnacho for someone want to Drop them, you know, to not want to drop to be seen to be dropping Mount as well, rather than like what Paul says you're probably better off in this moment in time starting with Ericsson and introducing Mount into a winning team. You might be better off putting Mount on the right because Anthony's not playing great, but then it's a you know, Garnaccio's not particularly playing great. The, the pressure was there at the back end of last season because he was injured, and it was like bring him in and hopefully he'll make a difference, it still seems to me particularly from the first couple of games that he's a better impact player, I've seen the sense in bringing Sancho on in both of those games actually um, and, and on reflection in both of those games, thinking maybe it would have been better if Sancho had started and we brought Don nacho on um, it, it's a difficult one I and mean, I mean the Forest again without wanting to be um, condescending to them, it's, it seems like a, a straightforward result on paper for United, but it does have these complications of what to do with, with the squad, doesn't it? Like, it's, it's a tricky one for Ten to sort of get through, especially when he's got to try and form a message that these first two performances have, have just not been good enough.
2: Yeah, I think the one thing that we do have at Ten High that we didn't have in, in, in a lot of previous managers, um, other than maybe Van Hall. And at times, Mourinho is that I, I think Ten Hag is his own man. I think he, if he feels you're not doing it, you're not doing it. And um, no one is undroppable. We've seen that with the whole Ronaldo situation. We've seen it throughout the you know the the, the last year as well with players. Um, he needs to make a decision on Mason Mount, and I I think he's I think he's the type of manager that it, it doesn't play on his mind that he he spent a lot of money on Mason Mount to bring him in. Um, it needs to be tweaked, you know, and he's the manager of the, one of the biggest clubs in the world. And that's what he's paid very, very handsomely to do. I don't think Ten Hag has a problem with dropping players. Um, and I think the time is right to do that because he has an opportunity here because he's taken Mason Mount off in the last two games. Um, that kind of normally leads to a situation whereby you have not an excuse, but you have an opportunity to actually – drop the player without it being a big massive thing. I mean, if he hadn't taken Mason Mount off in the last two games and then he drops him against, you know, Forest, well, then you'd be like, oh, what the hell's going on here? This is an ideal opportunity for him to go. It ain't working yet. We're not saying that it's never going to work, but right now, we need to tweak things. Um, and I think if, if Hoyland is fit, we need to be brave and start him and put Marcus Rashford back out on the left because Garnaccio hasn't really been doing much out there. And maybe he you know, for me, Garnettio was always an impact player. That's when he seems to have played his best. Uh, is is that, you know, enough to keep him satisfied? Is that enough to progress his, his progress in the team? I, I'm not too sure, but right now it's not working, and we can't work on what-ifs. Um, we definitely need to bring Ericsson in. You know, when Ericsson came on the other day, he was the only one that was actually trying something. You know, uh, I give kudos to Bruno Fernandes for trying and trying and trying. Um, but at some point, he has to realize that maybe I shouldn't try that Hollywood pass every single time. Maybe I shouldn't try it. Um, maybe I should try the simpler ball and go from there. Um, but I, I don't believe Mason Mount needs to be taken out of the team. I think Erickson needs to come in. We've got a lot of good players on the bench that can come in you know, as impact players. And that's what we should be using them at right now. I mean, we go back to you know our most famous impact player, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. You know, Ferguson used him so well knew when he had to start them, knew when he had to in, bring them on as a, as a soap. We have a couple of players in our team that I feel that, you know, <coughs> can play that role right now. Um, but the other thing I wanted to mention that, that wasn't brought up uh, yet, and maybe you're going to bring it up, was, uh, you know, O'Nana. I-, I thought he was absolutely fantastic on, on Saturday. Um, his distribution, his, his just all around confidence. It just, I'm just hoping that that, that starts to you know ooze out into the back four because we are still a little bit jittery at the back, um. But you know that pass that 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 you know, that diagonal pass that he sent out to where uh, um, Garnacho. I mean, come on, uh, any any other any other goalkeeper it, it would have been on a loop for the whole weekend on most of their social media platforms, but it wasn't. But that to me was like, okay, this guy has you know his balls of steel. He's not afraid to try anything. But like we've said. This is gonna cause us, you know, major anxiety throughout the season. But he's he's a player that's just come in and, you know, as, as 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 you know, Paul can testify, coming into Manchester United is not the easiest thing in the world. But some players embrace it. You know, they come and they embrace it. To me, he has. He just seems to have all the confidence in the world. And I know goalkeepers are at times a little bit out there. and. Um, but this guy has come in and he's done absolutely, for me, he's done absolutely fantastic. If you get the preseason issues, you know, that's where you iron out those problems. Um, but he, I thought he was actually fantastic on Saturday. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I do believe that we do need to, you know, to go back to the initial point. I think Mount needs to be taken out. Dan did bring up that point there where we've we've given away the ball over 150 times our front three in the first two games. That's a damning statistic. It really is. Um, and, and I'm a big Marcus Rashford fan, but I wouldn't be surprised if 70 to 80 percent of that was was through him. Um, I just don't think he feels comfortable as a centre forward. I really don't. I think he prefers to be out on the left, and it's shallow. Um yeah. I mean, in in, in uh, I mean, Paul, I don't like to always you know go backwards to you know when when uh, you know times are good at United. But have you ever been in a situation where boy after two games your front three have given the ball away 150 times?
1: No, I was quite fortunate. Was when I when I was at United, there was there was a, a lot of good players in front of me. In fact, there was an incredible amount of great players in in front of me. You know, the the front. If you talk about front six, because you look at it that way, the four across the midfield and the two up front was incredible. You know, and everyone was up and back. You know, it was as simple as that. And it wasn't a case of we was you know we practiced that it was a case of it was just there it was it was in your dna to go and do that but to to give the ball away that many times if we're talking talking about the modern game then that's horrific really the game back back then in the day was was a was a different kind of game to in that way it was played it wasn't so much about ball retention it was getting the as ball, the ball forward as quick as possible to your best players it was as simple as that it was said the boss said it whenever if Eric, if Eric calls to the ball, you give it to him. It's as simple as that. Get the ball to, it's quite simple, really. Get the ball to your best players as quick as possible. And 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 even more importantly, make sure you give the ball to them the same way you would expect them to give it to you. And, and that's job done. In today's game, it's relatively quite easy because that's the way everyone now is playing in the same fashion. And in that way, not always exciting, but everyone is trying to play in that same fashion. Um, but United are not, have not started it well this season. Had a great period, great period of time over of quite over a big span during that during last season. Lost a little bit at the end of it, but haven't started right this season. That's the annoying thing. You'd have thought lessons would have been learnt, but it, it hasn't hasn't happened at all. Now the question is, they've got to bounce back in their next game and. You know, they're up against a side which are in a better shape from what they went through last season in Nottingham Forest. They're going to be a little bit more organised because I'm sure that the coach and everyone knows he's a good coach as well. Would definitely be more organised than what it was last season. When last season he started a nightmare. You know, he, you know, he was he was a poor man. He had a poor man's Chelsea squad, really, didn't he? Just a load of names and didn't know what to do with them. So um, there is, you know, I'm interesting I'm looking quite looking forward to seeing how Ten Hag is going to turn this around but he has to be cruel to be kind Um, I think he's made a rod for his back in I don't think he could do a lot about it because he could have caused more problems but by making Fernandes captain because I think sometimes he might need to sit and watch for a while and understand and ask himself ask himself questions about himself and how he conducts himself when you're looking at leadership the incident where he got booked had nothing really to do with him. He'd done his bit yeah. <clears throat> by going to Anthony and calming him down because he got booked. And then he got booked him. himself. Yeah. You know, so I'm kind of thinking, what what you are doing? So um, there is still, again, it's, an, it's another learning process for the manager. And he's got to maybe be a little bit more harder and make make more tough decisions because there was a few times his substitutions were a little bit, Funny, it's a little bit weird, but I do look at it. <clears throat> I look at, think about when he's standing out there and he turns around and he looks at his bench, and you expect it to be quality on the bench. Maybe it's not the quality that you would expect of Benches United, but he looks behind and he just, he'll ask himself the question, who out of them is going to really give me a hundred percent? You know, oh. when you're turning, when you're turning around, sorry, Wayne, and you're looking and then you're having to bring on Martial you're kind of going, you're going like that.
3: Yeah, well, Keane made the comment in the, after the game that it was like bringing on Frank Stapleton and, I, you know, it's like a color of a line, really. and you can understand what he means by that <laughs> because he, he's basically saying Marcel should be resigned to, we we should have already moved on from that, for, for everyone's benefit, really, and it, it was a good point. And I think that, to me, we... we was it the first podcast of the season when we were all talking about the, the scheduling of the fixture calendar? And it didn't make any sense that it had been two, three weeks, really, because there's plenty of time. Like, for example, if you're playing against Forest on Wednesday night, this kind of scenario, which I'm about to propose to you, Paul, would be feel much more natural. But you've got a week building up, and it's going to look a lot more drastic because of the... Um, the lack of requirement or the lack of necessity to do it. So there's a week's rest. So you would presume there's no need to make any changes whatsoever. But if the game was on Wednesday, if Tenor went into this game against Forest and then said, we're going to play Palestrian on the right. So I'm just looking at Johnny's comment and I'm taking it from this. He says, I feel Anthony should be dropped for Palestrio Sancho. Seems better through the middle at the moment. He certainly, that's a fair comment. And Gonacho drops and put Rashford on the left and try a youngster centre forward. Let's say Hoyland was fit to play um, the game on Forest. And let's say it's on Wednesday. If you then put Pelestri on the right, maybe put Dallow right back and put Ericsson in midfield instead of Mount and put Hoyland through the middle and put Rashford to the left, you made four or five changes there. And it's not necessarily dropping Mason Mount, it's just freshening the side up whereas if that happens on saturday a few questions might be asked who oh, he's made six four or five changes from from the um from the previous game because of the nature of the defeat when he didn't need to be like that it doesn't still doesn't need to be like that because he could still make those changes that's just the way that it will be perceived from the outside nonetheless paul do you think that that's the way that perhaps he should do it? Maybe make those four or five changes because they're not necessarily bad ones to make because Pelletri probably deserves a chance, um, even if he, it's not necessarily saying Anthony's playing poorly, but at, Pelletri deserves the minutes, give him the minutes. Ericsson needs minutes, give him the minutes. Hoyland obviously would need to start and then maybe give Indalo a chance at right back. I mean, he made those three, four or five changes and then it's not necessarily dropping players. It's kind of rotating the squad and making the best out of it.
1: Um,
3: are you saying well, are
1: you saying that with a mid... Because if there was a midweek game, is that what you're bouncing off, yeah? Well, I mean, make the changes anyway.
3: Make the changes anyway. But I'm just talking about the outside reception. So like, so if, it, yeah. if the game was played on Wednesday, then people wouldn't be saying, oh, he's dropped down, he's done this, he's done that. But with a week's build-up, yeah. there's no need to rest anyone there's no need to yeah. rotate they'll be saying yeah. he's dropped Hanson he's dropped Mount that kind of thing
1: yeah Um. And my first I mean my bit is that if I was Ten Hag I'd be worried because he's put everything in to get Mount I'd be worried about doing that really making that decision on on him straight away because I've just his feeling of coming up where he's come from and just how it affects him to suddenly be put into that position of being left out and how that could affect him in that sense, that bit that bit will concern me. But that's the manager's choice. He's got to make that decision. But going back to where you started this, and because of my background and me, you know, my life, you know, playing third division football and then jumping to the top division from the third division, and then seeing what these lower division sides have to endure during the season, champion, you know, prem, you know, championship and below. You know, I, where was I last week? I was I was at Queen's Park Rangers last week. I was working at Rangers v Norwich. So as soon as they played on the Saturday, on the Wednesday night, yeah, it was Wednesday, they're playing, they're playing the game yeah. against Norwich in the League Cup. And then they played Saturday as well. So you're talking about two, three midweeks in the Premier League. They keep on about, why don't they play a game in it? Why don't they do it early? Everyone just had a pre-season to get themselves going. What is it? What's wrong in actually putting the game in there? Especially maybe the sides that are in the Champions League. To, give, to put a game in there. It's as simple as that. And it's going too far now. They keep moaning later on. Do your work early and then you'll have, you'll have space to jig later on. You'd be able to then the Premier League could suddenly go, someone has a someone has a whinge up about it. More than likely it would be Klopp when things ain't going right for him. He'd want he'd want it. I'll tell you what. Shut up and have that, and we make it easier for you. Now, will you leave us alone, please, Mr. Klopp? You know, you know what is wrong? we playing, you know, Saturday, Tuesday, or Saturday, Wednesday. I really don't understand it. And again, you know, me having my little mini rant about how the game has got soft. It's amazing. We was doing it, paid well, but we was just giving games, and we played. No manager moans. No players ever moaned. But now they're given more money in the game and off off the pitch as well, and they want they, they want to play less minutes for it. What a life that is now to be able to do that. And then you can moan about it on social media, and you get all these idiots who jump on any bandwagon to back them because they're worried worried about offending anybody. But no one no one backs the man who works in the factory. No one backs the people who work in the offices and having to go through mental bits of working in office to back them to get more money because they're having to work longer hours. But we've got to back footballers now because they're, they're tired and their bodies they're putting their bodies in the line because of, because of the fact that Premier League are asking them to play more game. Body on the line? Well, the line isn't too bad. Even then, you look at it here, you go, I've had enough of this in the Premier League. I'm going to jump on a plane and go and play in Saudi and get more money and play less minutes, not too bad. So that's my little rant over about that. But the long and short of it, if the game was on Wednesday, what you've said there is absolutely spot on. No one would talk about it, without a doubt. they will go past them because they say he's resting and whatever. But because there's a, it's a long period of time between, be a bit, it'll be another inquiry into Manchester United. Any other team do it, there wouldn't be a story.
3: Yeah, um, I just
2: want oh, Sorry, Wayne. Well, I just want to jump in there, but it, it's such a simple fix. And Paul mentioned on the very first show, um, it, it, you front load. That's what you do. This is when the players are at their, their fittest and is when it's at the highest peak. You front load the games. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that we we'll come. We go into April, and and you know clubs are having to stretch out the seven days to try and fit in three games or in some cases four games. I mean, it was that time United played two games, two days in a row. I mean, it's been going on for decades now and it makes absolutely no sense. And now, correct me if I'm wrong, do we still have the Christmas break just after Christmas where they shut it down for a couple of weeks or is that gone?
3: In February, yeah. Is that sort of I mean,
2: it, it, that just makes no sense at all either. It's like front load it all. And then if you want to give that break in February, okay. You've already played three or four games at that stage of the season, than you did the previous season because you're front loaded There's absolutely zero reason for not front loading games, and and it, it you know like 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 Paul said, it just that's when the players are at, are at their fittest, and that's when it, you know it, that's when you're not going to get those little niggling injuries. You're going to get them at the end of the season. You know that's when that's when most teams lose their better players. Now, obviously, you know we've had a few ACLs in the past few weeks. Um, for me, I think it's just coincidental. Um, but if you front load this, this season, and think about it, we would have been four games in if we had a, if we had to play two midweek games. Four games in right now. Instead, we're two games in, and we're going to be chasing our tails. And the most successful teams are the ones that suffer the most because they play the most games. If we had a front load a lot of them games. Um, we wouldn't be having this situation later on in the season. I'm a big fan of the League Cup. I'm a huge fan of the FA Cup. I don't think any of them need to be rejigged. What needs to be rejigged is the Premier League. That's what needs to be rejigged, not these cup competitions. These cup competitions are the lifeblood for a lot of these clubs in the lower divisions. They don't need to be rejigged. Nothing of that needs to be rejigged. The Premier League needs to be rejigged. They're not going to do what would, what would ultimately you know, reduce games, and that is reduce teams because the rule is every single club has to vote yes. You're not going to get no disrespect. You're not going to get the likes of Sheffield United, Nottingham Forest, clubs like that, you know, Southampton when they're up. They're not going to vote, oh, yeah, yeah, we want to reduce it to 18 teams. They're not taking that risk. Not a chance. So the FA need to step up and they need to actually say, okay, (coughs) all these weeks where we have an empty Wednesday, we're going to throw a game in there, and trust me, by Christmas we'll be six to eight games. Well, maybe six games, eight's probably a bit much. Six games more down the road than we normally are, and then you won't have this absolute fixture mess at the end of the year. It's a simple fix, it really is.
3: Um, I'm quite
2: finished, I... guys. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done.
3: Are you sure? Got it all off, all, right. all out.
2: Let's let's move on. Let's move on. By the way, um, it's a cool no, suggestion. I was just jumping on the
3: back of it. So, you know. I, I'm glad that you both enjoyed Monday morning's therapy session, but um, we are coming <laughs> to an hour and I go off the clock, um, 11 o'clock. So, I um, yeah, really appreciate your time this <laughs> uh, this morning, guys. If you've watched the, the pod live on YouTube, um, feel free to subscribe and like. It really helps the channel. Share it on social platforms as well. Really, really appreciate that. If you've listened back on the audio podcast, cast and, and you've enjoyed Paul and Dave writing. I mean, I never rant so I don't know why these guys just suddenly decided to do that for the last 15 minutes, but yeah, is what it is, if you've enjoyed it you can review us on on, on the um, audio platform you're listening on as well we'll be back next week, in fact I'll be back on Friday night with um, Phil and hopefully Lee will be joining us for the first time this season, maybe even Dave if he, if he can be bothered 'Cause he'll be he'll be with me. So um maybe he'll just send me to do it by myself. Um, we shall see. Um but we'll be back to, to preview Forrest with a different panel. And Paul, Dave and I will be back next Monday to hopefully talk about a successful squad rotation that's gone under the radar and maybe even assigning a couple of these major issues dealt with so we can um so we can actually talk about them. We'll be back next week, guys. Um, Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And uh, stay safe. Stay well.
0: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
3: Planning for your next trip?